0: Welcome to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, your guide to good food, good health, and a good life. And now, here's your host, Nutrition Network Advisor and author of The Nourishment Mindset, Dixie Huey.
1: Hi, y'all welcome back to the nourishment mindset podcast if you're a regular listener or viewer and bienvenue if you've never joined us before this is the place for focus on real whole foods straight talk and the pleasures of the table i want to thank you for being a listener and a viewer really appreciate if you're not yet following me on Instagram, it's just nourishment mindset. Um, I'm Dixie L. Huey on LinkedIn if you'd like to see my post there. And for all of you who have purchased my book, I really, really appreciate your support helping us get the word out about why real whole foods are nature's medicine. They heal. And there's a lot of BS out there. So that's part of what the nourishment mindset is about is cutting through the crud, making things simpler. So one quick announcement before I introduce today's guest, that announcement is that I am happy to help you with your holiday gifting. So if you would like to gift friends and family with the Nourishment Mindset book, all I'd like you to do is come up with a list, their name, their mailing address, and I will gift wrap and send from you signed copy of my book, and I can do your whole holiday list if you want. I've already had two takers on that. So unique gift signed by me, same price, I include shipping. So think about that. If it's of interest, email me at favorfat at gmail.com. All right, y'all, today's guest is Craig Lane, and we are going to hear all about his fascinating life what he does for a living to me in one word. And I'm just meeting Craig through a, a mutual friend. Craig is a healer. So from body work to nutrition, Chinese and herbal medicine, this guy is a wealth of knowledge. So welcome, bienvenue. Craig, nice to talk to you.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: Do you agree with that description?
0: <laughs> you know somebody last night uh, we were talking about you know oh you're all about star trek somebody said to me once and I, i've always resisted labels like i was labeled a surfer many years ago and i'm like no I, i'm a man who surfs and you could even take the label off man you know i don't even identify as a man anymore i mean i know i have the thing down below but you know so my identity has sort of been voluntarily and involuntarily taken into a bigger space of awareness you could say Mm. So it's fair. It's fair. You know, that's fair. Um, We can have some improv fun here, you know.
1: Yes, we will. Let's get real. From what I understand, you're not even supposed to be on the planet talking to me today. Why is that?
0: Um, So, you know, there's these words, the experts, right? Like, you know, the thing we just went through, I won't name it. But, you know, oh, the experts say. And then people get all seduced and hypnotized by the, oh, the experts, you know. So this one doctor, he was hovering above me and he said, I don't know how you're alive. And I'm laying in the bed with a broken neck and they don't even know I have a broken neck at this point. They're just kind of figuring out what the heck happened to me. And I'm, they're going, is that really appropriate to say to somebody when they're laying in a vulnerable position that, you know, and then the next thing out of his mouth is, oh, and you'll never surf again. You know, and I'm like, I got mad, you know, I'm I'm 21 years old, I'm laying there, I'm like, you're, I'm thinking to myself, you're not a healer, like, and I didn't even know what healing was, but I'm like, this is the opposite of what you'd want to hear from someone hovering above you in a superior position, standing over you, you're, you shouldn't be alive, and you're never going to do this, and never that, and disclaimer, insurance, this, and lawsuit, anti that, and, you know, they're, they're playing off from their own fear, and, I was already six years into punk rock and, and I had already woken up from USA incorporated uh, in a high school history class. So I was already well aware that there was something that I didn't like about the USA and, you know, things I did like about the people, but the government, you know, so I, I, I got clear about my healing. Yeah. I shouldn't be here. Okay. The experts say that then um I had a concussion 10 years ago and that was another one that, um, there was blood in my eye and my whole skull here, you know, it was, it was bad. And, um, I should have died according to a few other experts, but the, the magic of it was, was that my girlfriend at the time kept me alive all night. Cause I, I wanted to die. I was in so much pain. So I'm alive because of love, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> love for myself and love of another that, you know, if I could say there was any one person that couple of people oh and when i broke my neck a man did save my life because i tried to get up out of the car that was smashed and um and he had had paramedic experience and um he said when when my arm went numb when i tried to go up he said you probably broke something in your spine don't move because i was struggling to get out and then I, i i was like oh right maybe i did break something because my arm's numb now and it wasn't numb before i moved so my My vertebrae had slipped just a little bit and pinched off that dermatome to the arm in C7. That's what had happened.
1: Well, that is an amazing couple of examples of the power of the human body. Self-healing, I'm sure you did plenty of other things, but I'm always talking with my son about that you know, for whether it's, you know, a skinned knee or a bruise, I'm just reminding him, look, your body can heal itself. Or if he has a fever, you know, and he, he knows he, he, he doesn't want to take medicine. It's there if you need it at sometimes, but you know, my explanation to him is just, that's your body's immune response. We don't want to interfere with that. Let your body do what it knows to do. So I'm curious, when did you realize that you had a a calling to heal and to do the body work and 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 offer your knowledge and wisdom to others
0: um you know when i, when I was twenty one i when when I broke my neck at twenty one i didn't i was on a journey to being um an architect and it was a totally different trajectory and then that sort of yeah you because know, the the neck is the left you know, the woo woo fifth chakra world, my self-expression dramatically changed Ooh. after the neck. And so my desire to heal led me to becoming what I am now, but I had no intention of doing it. When I started, it was okay. What's going to help first? Cause the physical therapy was a joke. Um, and so I turned to yoga and that was actually the first thing was yoga. Uh, three, four months out of the broken neck. Um, so yoga, I'll kind of readers digest it. Yoga led to four years later, a very strong spiritual awakening, uh, actually in a Ram Das meditation. It uh, was quite, quite uh, innocent. And then <clears throat> I was like, oh, my God, everything I thought love was, it's just like the masters, the enlightened masters all say, because I made enlightenment as sort of a research project. Like, what is this thing enlightenment? And then I had this experience of pure love of an awakening, you know, and they have all these words for it. And then that brought me back to school because I was in I was in uh, working at, in the 1989 earthquake, I was down in LA working for a company called Unisys, which is like IBM, Apple. Um, they were a big computer provider uh, at the time. I don't know how big they are now, but so I I kind of like, you know, and then I was over here in Santa Cruz. After that, I moved back after the earthquake and I was living four houses from the beach, cushy job at Penney. I was a merchandiser buying women's, no, shoes and women's apparel and luggage was my responsibilities as a merchandiser and um, I loved it and I, you know I And mean, then, but it was like selling people things they didn't really want you know oh upsell and sell this and you know emotional sale and blah, 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 all these things they teach you in retail right sales and I was like this is disgusting and then um, because of my broken neck I was changing my diet and people were Coming to me in my J.C. JCPenney office, asking me questions about my nutrition. And I was like, I got to go back to school because, um, but I didn't go back to school until I had a bunch of freakish dreams, dream of a faraway land on an island, this guy beckoning me on. And I got an opportunity to go to Costa Rica uh, the next day. So the dream was a premonition. And so I quit my job, went to Costa Rica for a month, came back, went back to school at nutrition and... So I'd say yoga led to nutrition and then nutrition led to a bunch of other experiences in my late twenties that I'll just say they were experiences I couldn't deny. They weren't linear. They weren't rational. Um, I could go on and on. I, I have a whole 200 page book that I wrote about these freakish experiences from age 20 to age 40. Hmm. Um, so I think that in a lot of ways, I never had surgery and I kept seeing my body kept healing, you know, like broken neck. I didn't have surgery, you know, and I had a lot of different injuries and wounds and never once had surgery. And so that's why I started to see like, wow, the body heals by itself. And then started growing plants 35 years ago. And, you know, the wounded plant, you water it and take care of it and it comes back to life. And it's like, you know, life uh, is more of a mystery than we were taught. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So I have two questions. The broken neck seemed to have changed your life's trajectory. Like, do you think something, I don't know, metaphysical happened within you? Or was it one of those, I should be dead, I have to really find my calling? Like, how do you describe that change? Or do, can we even understand it?
0: Yeah, it's a paradox and a mystery because I was a, I had a always had a fighting spirit, it was indomitable spirit that was running my life. And I, I didn't know what I was dealing with until much later in my life that, oh, um, I might have chosen this on some level. But the broken neck was nothing more than a cocky, arrogant 21 year old getting sideways, playing Dukes of Hazard, going 50 miles an hour, lost control of the vehicle, wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And that was the consequence of that decision to show off for my friends who were behind me, and I was gonna get, I was gonna give them a dust cloud, the Dukes of Hazard ahead and you know, lost control of the vehicle, and you know, and yeah, and so I look at that, and you know, in isolation, you go, yeah, what a tragedy, what an idiot you were, you know, to be judgmental. But uh, in the long run, I tell people like, no, 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 because um, there's at least a thousand people alive or more because of that experience for me led me to who I am to save a bunch of people or help them save themselves is more correct you know and say like no you don't want to do it that way you want to do it this way and to have faith in the healing process and we're just not nourished enough you know but the big wake-up call was age 15 in U.S. history class and the word manifest destiny came across the history book and I some light bulb went on because I believed in America to that point. And then I was like, manifest destiny. I'm like, what happened to the Indians here?
1: Mm.
0: You know, like, and what the teacher and the students and I was, like, I got bullied and ostracized and picked on Oh, you're you against the white culture and you're an Indian lover and, you know, a heathen. and And I was like, I'm just asking questions, you know, like, don't you want to have a conversation about this? maybe they were screwed over like you're talking about the jewish holocaust well the native american holocaust was just as big you know but oh they buried that because they don't want us to so that woke me up and i shaved my head and got into punk rock and had a punk rock magazine until i broke my neck with a couple of friends right.
1: <laughs> Not going to be a boring life. I don't think it has been. So the other thing that you mentioned is really uh cool to me because um a mentor, I guess I'll say I I, I selected him as a mentor. I don't know if he knows he's a mentor, but he recommended <laughs> Ram Das to me about a week ago. And so I am about halfway through how can I help? which is really helping me learn to serve others without. Draining me. I'm curious, did you meet Ram Das?
0: No. Um, I always wanted a guru because when I woke up at 25, I was reading Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi. And I mean, the stories were, you know, like his guru was in two places at once, for example. And I I was like, wait a minute, how could he be on the train and 2,000 miles away with this other family? Because it was documented, you know? And I'm like, life is a you know, we were sold this dumbed down life, but I don't think life is, uh, I think life is magical, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I felt like I'd been, I'd seen enough, but the Ram Dass book was just me trying things out because I was curious mm-hmm. and I forgot the name of the book, but it was basically the, the inquiry you know, who am I? Right. I was musing on that inquiry. Like, who am I really? Am I Craig? I think Craig's a label. What's beyond Craig? And then I'm like, oh, shit.
1: It's a lot of thinking, man. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still in Santa Cruz?
0: (laughs) Yes, I grew up in the South Bay here. That's a perfect
1: place for you, man. I used to live in San Francisco and I would come down and do that. (laughs) I think it was called just the Santa Cruz Triathlon, but we always had a fun weekend there. It's just y'all do it differently there. (laughs) It's a different lifestyle. I love it. So on the Nourishment Mindset podcast, we talk a lot about nutrition. That's it's not the only thing the Nourishment Mindset is. So uh, I would like to focus on the aspects of your healing practice that will be maybe newer to our listeners and viewers. I'd love to know, and I'm sure we could have a six-hour talk on this, but just the philosophy behind Chinese medicine and how you apply it in your practice, because Eastern medicine in general fascinates me, mm. um, and the fact that you know we can we can blend and we can draw from different disciplines. But I know very little about it, so enlighten me, please.
0: Oh, um, that was a trick question by a Buddhist uh, MD many years ago. His oh, yeah? student was my girlfriend's and he was, uh, she was getting a PhD in happiness and he, he led me to this question. I knew he was leading me and he said, he all these beautiful questions. He says, so are you enlightened? And I, it's a trick question. And I went, I, I knew immediately. I was like, no, I could, I saw, I was like, no, we don't get enlightened. We see what's always and already enlightened through us. Um, like the present moment is enlightenment. But by the time we perceive the present moment and operate in it, we're at a time delay to reality because of our perceptive apparatus. We're always a split second behind reality because we have to perceive reality. By the time we perceive reality, reality's already moved on. If that makes any sense to people or you, then you're kind of on the right track.
1: I'll have to sit on my yoga mat and do some inhalations and exhalations on
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) So... I prayed for a guru and Yogananda was my first sort of guru, but he was dead and I was I loved the books. And so I say that because this is still the Chinese medicine thing. And so I got into my nutrition degree and I was very, very upset with the nutrition bachelor's degree program. I'd already gotten my bachelor's degree in business because I dropped out of architecture and got a degree in business instead. Then I went back to school to get my nutrition degree, and I was so excited to help people heal. And then I'm like no healing here this is kissing up to the medical system and i have to work for free for a year to be a dietitian in a hospital full-time without pay like what i'm like this is a bunch of oh i see they're, they're only making it for the rich people to be able to do oh dietitians a code word for rich entitled person I, I mean these are my judgments of course and i'm like well i need to find another way to learn what what's a well-established you know, world tradition, I thought, okay, I'll look at Chinese medicine. You know, it's been around a long time. There's credibility, there's results. And then I went deeper and I went, oh, the Taoists were like the Chinese Indian Native Americans. You know, what were the Chinese Native Americans? Oh, that was the the Taoist culture. And that, that interested me enough because they were talking about the study of duality. So where there's hot, there's cold, where there's a top, there's a bottom, where there's a left, there's a right. Uh, was an inside there's an outside so the the basis of chinese medicine and yin and yang when i was 28 29 i knew that i had a lifetime ahead of me that i was trained in the study of the isolation of things but the oriental cultures they their language is pictograms right their language is even much different than ours and i knew enough because i had an english minor i studied linguistics and language to know that The very way that they think in the Orient, at least in the olden days, is a process way of thinking and they're not isolating, they're in this wholeness. And I realized I need to start to learn that and embody that if I'm gonna learn yin and yang and Chinese medicine. So that was age 28 and I'm 58 now. So I'm about 30 years into the study of the seasons and how does my body feel in each season? the study of times of day and the circadian rhythm of the day and the the thousands of clients I've seen that were a reflection of my own self. Um, so it boils down to what one teacher said in Chinese medicine to me. He said, if you're stuck on a case, you know, a health case, break it down into yin and yang. In other words, break the person down into their dualities. Are they excess or deficient? Is it acute or chronic? Are they hot or cold? Are they in an anabolic or a catabolic process? Are they wet or dry? Those are the things that I look at now. And that's the way I teach nutrition is because those things you only need your hands and your senses for, you don't need technology in my world to learn how to assess human beings and yourself. Because to me, when the electricity goes out at the end of the day, the doctors and the medical people are screwed. Because without their technological tools, they're worthless but I'm a barefoot doctor I don't need the technology to help someone heal I got plants over there and techniques over here that are free so that's what I got through Chinese medicine in the orient was you know this worship of we're the top of the evolutionary pyramid and technology is the top and blah 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 and I and then this other Chinese teacher said you know the problem of Western thought and medicine is arrogance.
1: Touché. Super touché. I grew up with an orthopedist father, and it was always like, "You're a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You know that's you help me walk again. You know that's wonderful." But um, I, I, I absolutely understand what you're saying. It's a whole. Really, it, it sounds like it's a it's a thought process. It, it boils down to how you're using your brain with with your clients. And the way that you assess them. So the electricity goes out, Shevu. You can do what you need to do because you have plants. I assume your hands play a role in the in the healing that you provide. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: So I really admired this acupuncturist that um, I was in my late 20s, early 30s. And um, this dude, I just sat across the table from him. And he looked at me and he had me tick my, stick my tongue out and talked a little bit and he's, he summed up my entire health and life about 90% correct after just five minutes. Whoa. And I was like, oh, I wanna be like that. Like he didn't have anything. He just looked at me and looked at my tongue and asked a few questions and smelled my breath. And then he, Phew. and I'm like, wait, that's magic. Five minutes and you just told me most of my major patterns. I was blown away. So I wanted to be that guy. A spiritual teacher came into my life um, in 2000, so I was 35, and he has a saying that I think that I I try to embody, um, and Krishnamurti has a similar pointer. Okay, so this is a pointer. The more I know myself, the less I know about myself.
1: I can relate to that totally. This is going to sound ridiculous. <laughs> my, my listeners and viewers know that I had a 20-year career in the wine industry. And I use Italy as an example. So you think you know about wine. I became a sommelier. I got this advanced diploma thing with its distinction, blah, 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 blah. Once <laughs> you learn a lot about wine, you realize you don't know Jack because... Italy, for example, has 700 native grape varieties. Like, you're never gonna know (laughs) anything about wine. You just Mm. will know how little you know, the more you study. Mm. And that's beautiful, right? I mean, to me, that is, that's a human being. That's nature. That's, you know, what we've been talking about, healing. I mean, we don't know anything. And and for me, Mm. that's okay you know, not that I'm not curious about things, but I don't need to have things figured out. I'm just, I'm fine with ambiguity. So.
0: 700 kinds of grapes. Oh my God.
1: Native varieties. Yeah. And that's just Italy. So think of, you know, we just think of Merlot and maybe Sangiovese, but you know, no, it's, it's infinite. <laughs> so if wine is infinite, imagine the body. And I saw on your website, something that I'm not surprised by, by a Native American medicine wheel. What is that?
0: So there's a couple of ways to speak to that. Um, So the medicine wheel is another version of yin and yang. Um, Just like the Ayurveda has their three-tiered system, you know, the three dosha system, and they have five elements too, but it's a different five elements than Chinese medicine and different than our Western four elements. So the natives, the white culture, I believe, took it from the natives, but this idea of earth, air, water, and fire, right? Okay. And so the medicine wheel is composed of those four elements. And so the cosmology goes, the rising sun is like the new day, is like the birth, and that's the water, because life always comes out of water, right? So every native tradition has, so that's where you start the medicine wheel, in the East, in the Northern hemisphere, You know, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, right? So there's this pull of east to west and a pull of north-south. So as you work your way around from growth, then you go to the fire element, which causes things to grow, the sun, and that's the south. And there's all these, you know, the the, the different tribes of North America labeled it differently, Mm -hmm. but there is some general agreement. And that's what I'm trying to bring to people is I call it natural law, you know, the laws of nature that you can't argue with you can't disagree with you can do all that but it doesn't mean they're going to change for you you know they're laws the way things work so then the south things grow then you have the west the setting and that was often called the magician energy like you know when the when the sun setting is like harvest time right it's like the end of it. it's like fall and so I'd call that the earth element, but different cultures don't agree on what the magician, whether it's earth or air. You got water and fire. What you got left is earth and air. So I call it earth because it's harvest, right? Mm -hmm. You've got substantial squashes and onions and all your harvest of the years of sun's growth. And then it goes around to the north, which in the northern hemisphere, the north is the dark part of the forest, right? The dark part of the building the the white-haired people the old people and well your body is more air than it is earth when you're old you know generally a lot of people they sort of well i shouldn't say a lot of people gain weight in our culture and get bigger as they get older but you know that's not necessarily natural um and so then you've got this north and that was the air element and um my passion and still burning in me is to bring that to people of like, you know, the medicine wheel is not a mystical concept per se. You know, it's just another version of seeing the process of birth, growth, uh, harvest and decay, renew cycle.
1: Right. Beautiful. So how would you, do you use that in practice to guide your recommendations or is it more of a framework of how to think
0: um it's a framework I'd say more than what I'm looking at um one of my favorite teachers a lot of my early teachers in in the orient the oriental part were just super sharp and so I knew when I started my nutrition degree when half of the women were either anorexic or bulimic yes I saw that I'm going to have to be at least in part an amateur psychologist studying nutrition because people are making their nutritional decisions from a broken, traumatized place, right? You know, so I uh, I was like, you know, I need to approach this differently. And so I I started learning counseling skills basically because I started to see like we need to, to look at what I call the choice maker it's my first foundation you know why are we keep choosing the same idiotic choice you know to drink six pack of beer every night or a bottle of wine every night or a pack of cigarettes every day or the coffee and the donut for breakfast and nothing else you know Um, why do we do that was the inquiry so I wouldn't say uh, it became a framework as much as it was sort of in the background but what guides my decisions what this teacher said was um can this person you know, that's sitting across from you can they even be happy at all start there because if they can't be happy you're going to take a different tack with them than if they can be happy
1: wow so
0: and this is this is subjective because you're looking at another person right so it's judgment Versus discernment, like what are they reflecting to me that I might need to look at in myself it was something that I saw really early on because, you know, if you got trauma, you're going to have triggers. And who isn't traumatized in our culture?
1: Yes. And that for me is is really, that's what I'm personally working on right now for my profession. And of course, for myself, how do you really separate it? But that has been the hardest Part for me is just you it is probably impossible to disentangle the trauma and the mental health from the nutrition piece and the reason why that's personally difficult for me I was speaking with colleagues about this is because when 25 how many ever years ago when I was in college I abandoned my plan to go to grad school for a side D after working in a mental hospital for free, of course. (laughs) I realized I don't want to do this. I don't want to deal with people's psychological trauma. I love studying psychology, but the practice of being a therapist, and the study are two very different things. So I ran away to the wine industry for 20 years. <laughs> then I got really into nutrition and health and, and fitness coaching and training and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's all great. I love all that. But the people I work with, most of them do have, and it just, it's amazing how it affects the nutrition choices, the the traumas, the mental health. I mean, I, I'm now, i now, I work with a, a lot of, Patients who have type two diabetes, obesity, that sort of thing. And I find myself now asking, you know, I wonder what came first, chicken or egg? Did the Mm -hmm. mental health set them on the trajectory for obesity and diabetes? Did that make them more mentally, you know, anguished? Like, obviously there is no answer because there's no answer to chicken or egg either, but it's just, they're so intertwined, I guess. So I, I, (laughs) please tell me how to fix it.
0: (laughs) Oh, can I enter? Okay, I need to put something into the diabetic thing. Can I add that in right now? Sure. Um, okay, so I, uh, about 15 years ago, no, was it wait, 2011 12 years ago, I left. I was 10 years and working at a chiropractic office doing a lot of body work, okay. and I never told that story, but I'll tell that other story some other maybe later. So I'm doing full time shiatsu, which is acupuncture with you know acupressure and shiatsu, and I'm talking to people. And, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm a nutritionist too. So I'm, I got their ear for an hour working on them. And I started to look at the, the misdiagnosis level. So I looked it up about 12 years ago. What is the medical misdiagnosis level? And it was 42% at the time. I'm like, this is unacceptable to be like 42% like, and these are professionals. So I took it upon myself to start learning assessment and whatnot, because You know, the system, as I saw it, was so broken. Um, And so about 12 years into, like, I learned the study of the eyes, iridology and sclerology, the study of the white of the eye and the colored part of the eye, because that's free. And it's an x-ray. It's it's a map of the whole body. So I don't need lab work to assess someone. But so but I have 12 years into lab work now. Uh, I got started with Standard Process Incorporated about 14 years ago. And a lot of questions started coming up about how crappy we were trained through Royal Lee and his teachings. And so uh, this is the big trick with diabetes. Okay. So hemoglobin A1C, I tell people like, well, hemoglobin is a red blood cell oxygen marker. So how are they tying blood sugar to a red blood cell? I'm like, that seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Tricky, you know, tricky, ooh, right. tricky, you know, like, ooh, the magician's up there, whew, you're pre-diabetic. So part of the thing with people that are sick is they want to find an identity to rest in. I'm a cancer victim. Right. I'm a diabetic. I'm a blah blah blah. Insert identity, right? amen yeah. I'm a we're we're health coaches. There's our identity, right? Um, so I I looked at it a little deeper and I was like, okay, what is, why are they tying blood sugar to this hemoglobin, this A1C thing? And so I looked a little deeper and it was like, oh. It's damaged, glycated, sugar-coated red blood cells, the percentage of which, so the higher the percentage, the more blood sugar-damaged red blood cells you have, which you want that percentage to be as low as possible, right? So, Your news. so we're not even really explaining that to people right there. It took me, what, a minute to explain that? And no one, not one doctor I've asked hundreds of people has ever explained this to their client when they diagnose them as diabetic based on that one blood test.
1: The thing that I will say, it's a Southern expression, burns me up, is you have all these people that are, I call it, on the diabetes train, and they don't know it because no one runs fasting insulin. Like, we, we don't necessarily have to what? even have... Pre diabetes. The other thing I say that it doesn't really get me in trouble, but it's controversial, is I don't believe in pre diabetes. To me, it's like somewhat pregnant, kind of <laughs> pregnant, <laughs> almost pregnant. You know, you're either pregnant or you're not. So you either have messed up blood sugar or you don't. The I think. I think the reason we call it pre-diabetes is because we don't want to admit that over half of Americans have type two diabetes. That's what's really going on. <laughs> just the uh, what is it? The the optics are not good. So, um, but it is, and it, it's you know I don't even know that people understand why that's such a problem. Like oh okay, well just like you know take medicine, just take oh 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 zempic, you know that stupid commercial. I don't watch TV, so I don't hear it much, but sometimes if I'm on the internet or something, but you know, it, it, it's every cell in your body being damaged. It's, you know, it's exactly what you do not wish to see in a human being. So it, uh, it riles me up. And then of course, most physicians, they don't run the tests. It can tell you two decades before you actually cross that line, that HA1C line. And, and then the damage is, is done. Um, and it's I don't know it it makes me batty so tell me more about the eyes is this part of how that gentleman that you mentioned when he had you stick out your tongue and then he was able was he also looking at your eyes or that's those are separate stories
0: I don't know but um, the use of the whites of the eye goes back in Chinese medicine some old texts at least 2,000 years they have drawings of little markings and you know characters for the different parts of the whites of the eye the okay. cherokee indians were using it um, in the southeast of the united states uh, this is Stuart wheelwright's work um, he went and studied all this through jack tips and that through the sclerology system um so i don't think he was but what i what i saw very quickly when i got into this was wow i uh i can get a handle on like so what I started doing was when I was learning this, one of my teachers says, you're going to teach what you want to learn. And I was like, well, that's not it. that's intimidating. Like I'm going to get up there in front of people and talk about stuff I don't know anything about so I can learn it like well, that's a little bit of a job. So but what I did, though, is I took my iridology tongue. I get my camera out and I say, OK, everybody likes to know, you know, like what your tongue is telling you. Right. Because The Chinese doctor has you stick your tongue out and the eyes. So I get people up on stage and I get 30, 40, 50 people in a class and say, OK, who wants to come up on stage and volunteer? Don't tell me anything about your health. <laughs> Nothing. Don't tell me anything. I don't want to know anything. Nothing. So I'm going to take a look at your eyes and tongue and I'm going to tell you what's going on with you. And I started getting really good at it. And people were like, wait, you're looking at my eyes and my tongue and you're telling me all that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy now that looked at me 20 years ago. Now I'm that guy. And then I started bringing lab work in and verifying what I was seeing in the eye. Um, So now I can tell people in part what's going to be on their lab work when I look at their eyes. So can
1: you give an example of, you know, we were talking about diabetes or it could be something else. Like how do you see diabetes in the eye or a different condition if that's not appropriate?
0: Well, first of all, you have to say you can't diagnose based on a condition. It's an assessment of a pattern is what I call it. Okay. So diabetes the Chinese would call diabetes something different and they would have 15 kinds of diabetes or be damp diabetes or dry diabetes or hot diabetes or cold diabetes or wind diabetes or you know so they'd have all these poetic terms about it so like you could give me 10 diabetics and I would give you 10 different treatments
1: okay because you're you're looking at root cause or it's just not as simple
0: here's the simple script I was taught we don't treat diseases we treat people with diseases and that really impressed me about this one book uh the web that has no weaver um ted Kupchek was my first book in chinese medicine and there were a bunch of these early books they would say okay i got 10 rheumatoid arthritis patients look at the treatment for each of them and it was individualized for each one okay um so that's the art of medicine right the science of medicine and the art of medicine that's why it's a practice ideally and we don't come to conclusions like, "Oh, the science is settled." Was the one ah!
1: that's science is never one settled. of the dumbest Shut up! things ever said. <laughs> that is really idiotic. Wrong.
0: Right? <laughs> idiotic. Like the science is settled. Yeah. Well, you just named yourself as a. And moron. also,
1: <laughs> I am God. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> right. So then, the fun part of it is like there's um like i have a client i just you know they'll just send me their photographs of their eyes and tongue if they're over in you know if they're down in the south or new york and they don't want to drive out here then i get to look at this this stuff and look at what their context is like okay can they be happy what's their life pattern do they have a good partner are they alone why are they alone why do they have a partner where do they live you know so the eyes become part of this like yes i can say have the patterns of elevated blood sugar because when elevated blood sugar starts to damage the body the whites of the eyes get these little jagged lines they're called they're called damage lines and it means the new tissue being birthed is not healthy like that rdw on the red blood cell differential that means random distribution width so if that number goes off away from 13 and you have a lot of random new red blood cells of different varying sizes and that's not good
1: thank you i never knew what that meant so i get asked to read blood work all the time and i always am telling people i have a narrow scope i can do your lipids we can talk triglycerides we can talk cholesterol we can talk blood sugar but don't be going over into the other areas because that is not in my wheelhouse but that is really interesting this is just i'm i'm blown away but i knew i would be and there's obviously so much more so tell me your, um, your practice is called health alchemy what's tell us what this is about
0: um I was just musing about this yesterday that they, there's this like hypnotic, like, oh, make it, make a, uh, make it a really complicated sounding and then you confuse people and then they're your victim, right? So here's a good example. One of my closest friends in my life, her husband was diagnosed with, here's the medical term, check it out. So scary sounding, idiopathic, thrombocytotic purpura. Right. And the treatment plan was remove the spleen, hip replacement surgery, and he was thirty five years old.
1: What does the spleen have to do with the hip?
0: Right, exactly. This guy was Chichin going to make a big fat commission on these operations. The surgeon was right, and the hematologist and the, sur- the surgeon were in together. So I saw the letters and from them, and my my new friend was like Craig my husband's 35 years old, you know, hip replacement, the, the joint only lasts 25 years. So that means he's going to have at least another one more replacement in his life. And please help us. And so I'm like, okay, let's see your intake. You know, he had a coffee every day, he had an inflammatory sort of, and, and I, I, ironically, she was a health nut, this woman. So her husband would go off and like husbands tend to do, you know, oh, I'll drink my coffee and eat my candy. And he was a computer, he was a computer solar guy, you know, and he, you know, men are like little boys. They try and get away with as much as they can cuz I was one of them, you know. See, until mommy busts me. And mommy's the wife, right? Oh shit, I'm busted. Mommy caught me, you know. So he got yes, caught dude, and- this
1: morning, went out to put a receipt from a car repair in a certain person's glove box and found some <laughs> orange slice thing. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mention it though. Not until now. <laughs>
0: right. So I said, "Hey Kelly, look, let's uh, let's let's break down this word idiopathic right. thrombocytotic. Please let's do, break because... it down. Let's break it down into Latin. So idiopathic okay. means we don't know.
1: Oh, that's a good start. <laughs>
0: it means we don't know what it is. So like idiot, you know, idiot, idio, right. you know, idiopathic. Okay, so we got that part. Okay, they don't know what it is. Great, that's a good start. Okay, thrombocyte. Is a platelet. Okay. Idiopathic thrombocytotic. Okay, so it's something to do with the platelets. Purpura means easy bruising. Okay. Purple, bruises are purple. So there's this purple bruising thing from platelets that we don't know how it's being caused. And once once they got that information, these are very smart people. They're like, Oh my God, they're they put the wool over our eyes. I'm like, They don't even know what that what it is but they're going to remove your spleen and replace your hip based on something. They don't even know what it is. Cause they said they don't know what it is by the word idiopathic. And she was, they were like, Oh my God, you're God. And I'm like, all I did was break down the word and demystify it for you. Right. Cause they had you in the trance, you know? And so we, we talked them out of it. I said, you got to stop coffee, bro. And you got to change this and do that. So his platelet levels were normal in six weeks.
1: So let's talk yeah.
0: about that. So wait, wait. So the hematologist, the, the best part is still to come. The hematologist sends them a letter when they denied treatment. They get a letter that I saw signed by the hematologist said, Oh, I'm so sorry you're not gonna let us remove your spleen and do the hip replacement. Your your future's fucked. Regretfully yours. MD. Okay. Regretfully yours.
1: Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Reminds me of a certain White House Christmas communication saying that everyone who uh decided based on their own free will that they did not choose to want to be vaccinated would have a winter of death and destruction. What Is that what they the said? The White did House. They really say yes, that? that is a real thing. A oh winter my god. of death and destruction. Merry Christmas! Happy Hanukkah. Oh my god. <laughs> I, have, I have a screenshot of it because I was like, this is are we in outer space what's going on yeah regretfully yours winter of death and destruction um the coffee let's go back to that because a lot of people drink coffee i had a coffee this morning
0: I is love coffee. coffee
1: bad for everyone or just that dude
0: <sighs> okay so here, there's some heartbreak and good news in this okay. okay
1: i'll take it like a man i'm gonna take it like a man <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, I have a comment there, but I won't say it now. Um, okay, so coffee. So let's start with my top level teachers who I considered masters, unanimously said no coffee, no stimulants, because they're catabolic by their very nature. They tell the body, please tear down tissue so you can have your joy and pleasure. Yeah. And then I went a little deeper. I was like, well, why do plants make caffeine? Because plants aren't human centric. You know, They have their own agenda. Yeah. So why is the plant making caffeine? It's not for human pleasure, certainly. So caffeine's an insecticide. Oh. So
1: that
0: the plants don't get- That
1: not sound too delicious.
0: <laughs> but coffee isn't just caffeine. Green tea right. isn't just caffeine. You know, black tea isn't just caffeine. It's part of this matrix. So what I started to see was, I, I saw the coffee drinkers around me. And so I started doing some study of, Just, I was working in a chiropractic office. Remember, for ten years, so I had on the average twenty to thirty clients a week. Asked a lot of questions. Hey, why don't you stop coffee and just see what happens? You know, so everybody who stopped coffee sincerely for you know three or four weeks, pain levels on the average, this is thousands of people dropped fifty percent.
1: It makes sense because it's stimulating, and
0: but there were outliers who didn't change at all when they stopped coffee, and I started getting curious about who were these outliers. And then the Diadamo in the blood type book, he mentions one of the four blood types can drink coffee. I don't remember if it's A, 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 a B, or an AB, but it's not O. And, oh, um,
1: damn it! I know,
0: I know. <laughs> you and I could have a whole conversation about sympathetic, parasympathetic nerve balance and how that ties in with protein type versus carb type and blood type. But that's another that's another longer thing. So oh, that's awesome. What I started running into is I had a few pissed off coffee drinkers. One lady, 10 years ago, she came in and, you know, I'm I'm 100% referral because I'm such a freak. People love hearing the results and the miracles. So this lady came in for her miracle. I told her, you're not, I shouldn't have said it, but I said, you're not going to get anywhere drinking coffee. And that was arrogant because I'm not her. And she her pain levels didn't change when she got off coffee. And then fast forward about till about a year ago, I started looking at this a little bit more. And. Yes, there is a type of person that metabolizes coffee, like, there are people that can drink coffee and go right to bed, for example. I
1: know, which, you know, I, I'm like a one cup a day, if that, and if I do anything after even noon, forget sleep. It is so, um, you know, I'll shake if I have two cups, and then there are people that drink coffee all day long. That's this. Just...
0: Right. So just to finish that off, then, that, that thought, then... Caffeine, coffee in general, then um, I've had, to, so if you look at the results of the coffee enema, that is a correct way to use coffee. I've done at least a thousand coffee enemas.
1: So put it in the other end.
0: No, I tell people it's too bad we don't have taste buds down there because you could appreciate it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is too good, man. <laughs> It's an so, exit strategy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's to all your listeners. Hey, if you want a the one of the freest, easiest therapies to okay, coffee enemas. They used to do them in hospitals. The nurses tell me that for headaches and pain, and add in depression. I can wipe out depression, headaches, and pain with a coffee enema.
1: Oh, dude, that is great. That is. Awesome. So are you going to, to overcome up? your,
0: you know, think of a heterosexual male, you know, I thought about doing enema for a year because I was like, what if I like it? That was the main thing that kept me it's from it. Okay. I don't want to like, I don't right. want to like something going up there. You know, because what does that mean about me?
1: <laughs> it means you're gay dude. And that's okay. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, wow. So You know it's interesting because that's something that for me my first thing is like ooh, grody you know but i'm really (laughs) trying in my fourth decade to just you know when that comes up like that split second reaction to just throw it all back because many things that i do now i wouldn't have done in the last decade or the decade before like we just it's like this you know you were talking about enlightenment i know that i'm that's you know no is the answer (laughs) to Dixie enlightened. Uh. But to me, just openness. Um it was in a and I do want to get into this. I I tried a Zen Buddhist online service or gathering just Sunday. And um one of the things they were talking about, which I absolutely love because I'm a yoga teacher is strong back, like soft open heart. And I just thought gosh, that's beautiful. And then we proceeded to meditate silently on that for 30 minutes. (laughs) It was just like, I love this. So you are, you are, you know, infinite amounts about Buddhism. You know, I've admired it, I would say from afar, like, again, another question that could go on for six hours, but what can you tell us about, you know, Buddhism and its importance in your life?
0: Uh, my teacher um so everything's a pointer towards reality you could say so buddhist is a language pointing towards the spiritual realities and um so buddhist buddhism the buddha wasn't a buddhist let's start there okay so the ism was made by people after just like christianity jesus wasn't a christian right, right.
1: um
0: so they were they were using parable and metaphor to describe what really can't be described. And so here's what my teacher said. And I, I, the same thing happened to me. He said, I had a male Buddhist, Zen Buddhist teacher, and I had a female Zen Buddhist teacher. And after 15, 20 years, I woke up out of Buddhism. So when he woke up, he woke up out of the limited concept of Buddhism into the larger concept or the larger reality of spirituality. So what happened to me over the last few decades is I can pick up the Bible now or a Buddhist text or an Ayurvedic text or a Hindu, blah, blah, blah. And if I can understand the language, then I can interpret it almost immediately through my heart mind, not this thing up here. So then to me becomes when we wait, when we use the pointers enough and we inquire sincerely enough, like the koan, I mean, just muse on this for a few years. What is, the sound, what is the sound of one hand clapping? That's a Zen koan. Or who were you before your parents were born? Oof. <laughs> right? You, there's no answer to those inquiries. None. Zero. So you have to stew in the cognitive dissonance. And by stewing in that discomfort, the answer can be experienced, but not talked about per se
1: sounds a lot like yoga stewing in the discomfort
0: (laughs) you know my yoga one of my first yoga teachers said most of you are just moving body parts around so look at your face you're all strained and stressed out he goes you're not even doing yoga you're just doing exercises
1: well it's like what the west does (laughs) with yoga right 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 right
0: um so Buddhism's <laughs> another identity like i'm a buddhist to me uh i you know I, I think buddhism is a very there are a certain group of people they need religion they need structure yes. so i believe that you know there's the literalist buddhists you know they have a term for that and then there's the more metaphorical buddhists and like it's thera Vida, or they have these words these subsects of buddhism just like there's subsects of christianity and um once I started seeing the subs the subtech you know, the subtypes of Buddhism I'm like I'm out. Right. You know, there there's one reality and all these ways of describing it, but they're no better than the Hindus or the Christians or the Arabs I or agree. any of it, you know.
1: That's that's my issue. You know, I grew up southern girl in North Carolina and did not grow up with a religion and in my college years really tried to study numerous religions, not deeply per se, but I was just, I was wanting to belong to something. Um, And at the end of it, I basically just said, you know, all of these religions have beautiful teachings. You know, to me, it's about the heart, the mind, the teaching, but the problem with religion, even though I really respect its place in in the world um, and see a value in it, is is the labeling and then the like well our camp's right you know and that's you know it I took my child to church a couple weeks ago because I want to expose him but I I also want to expose him to other religions and and I admitted to him we had a great talk about it afterwards I said you know I, I just want you to know that my big beef with Christianity is the whole my biggest one is the whole thing where if you don't believe in this you're going to hell like that's that's you lose. you lost me there a and b all the hindus and the and the buddhists and the jews they're all going to hell too like come we're on. all screwed <laughs> like, <laughs> and then i have to go and convert other people to be like me like no i i don't think jesus would even agree with that i don't know but it's uh they're they're good things to ponder so um you're also a trained chef, and you're into permaculture. You know, you had me at food. So, <laughs> you you talk a lot on your website about soil health. So important. So any any things you'd like to discuss about soil health and the importance of that in our in from the you know the creation of the real foods that we eat. Why is that so important?
0: you know that's a really good question because a lot of people think about it but when I got into nutrition um I was at Cal Poly and their philosophy used to be I don't know what still is was learn by doing so you learn nutrition by doing nutrition okay well what's nutrition then well doesn't nutrition start with the plant growing in the soil you would think with the sun shining on it and using the water I mean you know so I had friends that were studying permaculture, and that's why I started studying permaculture was part of my nutrition program because I was like, I need to know. So Royal Lee, I know I don't know if you know this, but Royal Lee has a book that sums this up. It's called From Soil to Supplement. It's one of Royal Lee's best.
1: Because of our mutual friend Stephanie, um, uh, with Celine okay, River Press. Uh, she she's taught me a lot about Royal Lee um and standard process etc but please uh continue
0: so lee was kind of onto this and then i realized like okay because cal poly for the nutrition program i was the last year they required it you had to have you had to be a trained chef if you're going to be a nutritionist basically
1: oh i love this healing happens in the kitchen right so-
0: i loved, I got to learn cooking as part of my bachelor's degree I oh that so is excited. so cool i was so excited And then, of course, they dropped it. But what I tell people is I had a friend that he was a little younger than me, and he really loved the nutrition stuff, but he chose soil science over nutrition for his bachelor's degree. I was like, wow, dude, you're choosing to actually study the science of the soil as your specialty. And that wasn't lost on me from, okay, I got the cooking skills, which is the end how to make the food good. But how do you grow the good food, right? How do you grow the good animals? Um, so that boils back down to the alchemy question was, uh, it goes all the way back to alchemy. As I yeah. called my my practice alchemy because there's five main elements that mostly everything's made out of. Carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, sulfur, and nitrogen. It's that simple. Those are the Lego building blocks. What What's that guy's name? David Stewart wrote in, the chemistry of essential oils subtitle god's love manifest in molecules so he calls them the chosen ones c-h-o-s-n the chosen ones mostly everything's made out of isn't that the greatest acronym the chosen ones that's that's david stewart's acronym okay and um and i i read this book and he says the very premise of how we're studying nutrition is wrong Cells don't have CD14 spike protein receptors. Cells are reading frequency and energies. And the snapshot of that process, we label as chemistry, but that's not what our bodies are actually doing. Our bodies are, re- are operating based on actions and frequencies and other things. And then the snapshot, if you will, is part of it, but... Is the snapshot of you running a race, in fact, you running the race? No, it's not. It's dead. And that's why Royal Lee said chemistry is dead. Wow. It's dead by its very definition, because it's a snapshot of a chosen parameter like hemoglobin A1c at a moment in time. Right. Therefore, it's dead. And we worship death, don't we? <laughs> when
1: and we're avoiding it. it. <laughs>
0: I studied cadavers in my biology classes. It was disgusting. And I thought to myself, when I'm looking at this cadaver, why aren't we studying living, healthy people and what they're doing, right? Oh, (laughs) right. Right. So the soil then, you know, boils down to a couple of simple things like plants have to have nitrogen. Oh, it turns out nitrogen's in our waste. Right. And our poop and pee is loaded with nitrogen. Oh, why don't I recycle (laughs) that back into the soil? Ding, 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 you know. And then here's the one that Stephanie and I, that's why Stephanie liked my article called The Five Fakes, because refined oil and refined carbohydrate are only carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. By their definitions, they're hydrocarbons related to petroleum.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, something you may not know about the nourishment mindset is in every episode, I might've skipped one or two, but in every episode, I make a point of shitting on seed oils, factory fats. So thank you for doing it for me because they are the worst of the worst uh, and I did not know that about the uh, the chosen and how they are you know lacking so is the point you know they're lacking nitrogen. What what is the you know it's okay, only-
0: so you have to realize that you're dealing with Lego building blocks, right? Yes. C H O S and N are like leg and so the configurations can be infinite, right? Right. So you have these fatty acids that are made of carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. And so here's what I learned through cooking. And so you've been cooking. So you know those, those uh, when you deep fry, there's those screens above that suck the air up and then they get all sticky and gooey in there, in the screen. Well, that's oil that's polymerized because fat is on the same spectrum as plastic, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. So when, uh, go to the hardware store and buy linseed oil. What's linseed oil at the hardware store? It's a varnish sort of thing. But what was it? That I don't know. It's stale, rancid flax oil is what it is.
1: Oh, lovely. With a nice name. Sort of like rapeseed oil. That one didn't pass the marketing team. <laughs> Had a new name.
0: <laughs> so this is going to add to your practice, because I'm on board with you. The cell membranes of the body are the brains of the cell, and they're made out of fat and protein and cholesterol. So if you're having seed oils and refined polymerized plastic-like oils you're going to have stupid cells.
1: There it is, y'all. Do you want to be stupid? I don't think so. Get the seed oils out of the diet. Veg, Even though they have the heart healthy. Isn't that just cute? They have a little American Heart Association. I always tell people oh, when you boy. see that heart, run. <laughs> <laughs> they want you to eat that so that they can have a cardiology practice. That's how I'm doing. This is what you were talking about with your 35 year old friend. Let's cut your spleen out. Let's put yeah. a stint in there. Go ahead and keep eating those seed oils because they, they lead to stents, and we like stents. So we have talked about a lot. Just <laughs> incredible. Thank you. I want to come to Santa Cruz and Have dinner at your house, (laughs) correct? On that note, um, I always ask guests a final um, question and then we'll get to where people can find you. But the question is this, um, because, you know, we've we've mentioned, you know, healing happens, you know, from the soil to the food to your table. Winemakers always say, well, how do you make great wine? You know, the ones who have their shit together say, well, it's it's all the vineyard manager vineyard manager the practices of growing the grapes is how you make wine you know and then I'm here to just not f it up so (laughs) table side tradition do you have a favorite table side tradition now some people will talk about a holiday or I had one guest Ben Azadi talk about his uh, Persian mom's a dish that she makes Mine, I will share with you, is just the simple act of a toast each evening with my family. And of course, just the act of sitting down at a table and eating, which it's funny that that is a thing. My French friends are like, why is that special? And I'm like, well, you have no idea. Our culture does drive by eating, like they don't, or drive through eating. Like sitting at a table is considered like bougie, you know? having a real plate and a napkin so I'm curious for you or do you have a favored table side tradition
0: well for example I've been leading community dinners community potluck dinners now for a couple of decades oh that's so so cool! last night I led one about 10 people showed up and so it was like the first lady just started eating and then I'm sitting here kind of cringing going we haven't said grace and we haven't given thanks you know so my my mother's father was a weekly church going Protestant, but but he was a man of God, and he was also a man of nature, you know. And that's what I remember from childhood was him chopping the heads off chickens, you know, and dressing them up himself, you know. So this was a a, a real man, right? And so they would say grace. It was a big pattern of saying grace, and I I realized like, um, yeah, I would. I had a friend that he's dead now, and I am who I am because of him. He was a man that knew down in San Luis Obispo where everything could be harvested at all times of the year. So the avocados are in season, the lemons are in season, the roots are in season. And, you know, Lee Osbaldiston was his name. And this is a prayer I like to say. It's a very simple prayer that I'll just meant on the way out. This is a good, uh, good way to what he would say. And I, I like to get this out there it's dedicated to Lee. Um, and the prayer is, Earth who gives to us this food, sun that makes it ripe and good, dear earth, dear sun, by you we live, our love and thanks to you we give. Blessings.
1: I love that. Thank you. That was Lee. Lee. All right. Cheers to Lee, y'all. I'm Dixie Lee. (laughs) So... Nice. Um Craig, where do people find you? You said you're all by referral, but if someone wants to follow you or read about you or get your book, your 200-page book, where do we find you?
0: So I'm out there, you know, I have a on my website to go to the healthalchemy.com uh and I I chose the ALK alchemy so it's health com, and I at the bottom, you scroll down the home page, there's the socials tab and that goes to really my link tree, which has, you know, the link tree has the everything. So I've been on YouTube since 2007. I have at least 600 YouTube videos and 25 playlists. So a gigantic YouTube channel. You know I got my 450 subscribers and my half a million views. You know, I'm a minor celebrity, you know, whatever. And then i started getting strikes when you know the problem started that ago.
1: means you're on to something good congratulations yeah.
0: so i went over to rumble so my newer material the last two years is on rumble and rumble i've been able to say things on rumble i could never say on youtube you know like stuff like like so rumbles another one um that the, the youtube is the original health alchemy i think it's just original health alchemy my Facebook page is my personal page, Craig Lane, and then I have a Health Alchemy Nutrition page. I've got a TikTok page, Health Alchemy, Instagram page, Health Alchemy, LinkedIn page. I mean, you're busy. You name it, I probably got it.
1: <laughs> it's all about the link tree. That's awesome. Um, I'm waiting to get kicked off YouTube. I should probably just go over to Bravo. It'd be kind of fun to get kicked off. first. <laughs>
0: I just don't want to lose all the videos I made. I know, because I know. Some of I, know. Them I haven't downloaded yet, you know. I'm, oh,
1: you've been I mean, on I'm, there way long. I've only been on there a few months. So. Yeah,
0: 2007, you know. I'm like, they were just going to kick me off, you know. And I'm like, please tell me what's the timestamp and what I said. Right? That's fair. And they wouldn't
1: say. Well, we that don't know. Me. That's uh, what did you call it? Idiot.
0: <laughs> Idiot. <Idiopath. laughs> No, we're going to have this broad general. You violated our broad community standard because you said what we don't want to to hear. We don't want people to hear what you're saying. And we're not going to... Like in a court of law, they would have to present at this timestamp, Craig said this. So, you know, please... And the the solution would be just eliminate what you said, right? Just edit it out.
1: Right. Well, but you you have broken the rule of saying what cannot be said. So there will be no justice for you. You're just banned. Um, that That's how it rolls now. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, I think people are waking up to this. So. Well, Craig, it has been yes. a pleasure to uh, learn a little bit about you. I appreciate all the wisdom that you have imparted, and especially the laughs. You're just easy to talk to, man. <laughs> so thank you for your time. Thank you for reaching out to me. And, um, I know that everyone out there listening, um, and the, the viewers that we have on YouTube will, will enjoy this episode. So thanks so much. And, um, in closing y'all, you know, where to find us We're wherever you listen to podcasts, if you haven't yet bought the book, the nourishment mindset. You can get a complimentary shipped signed copy from favorfat.com. Or if you're already in Amazon's website, buying toilet paper and video games and whatever else you got going, you can find Nourishment Mindset there too. Sante, y'all. Have a good one.